I'm in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. You ain't cooking up. We cooking up, chopping up. D King. Lay down. Trap side, rap side, Don and the King. Gonna do it. Gonna do it. Chopping up. Peace, peace, peace. Welcome back to Chopping It Up with the Conduit, Season 4, Episode 4. And today's special guest is comedian, radio host, entrepreneur, and former host of BET's Rap City, Joe Claire. All thanks to my tribe, executive producer Mika Sunga, you're the best. Graphics and promo, Mad Urgency Myron. Of course, on video, Adam7X, a.k.a. Mecha Godzilla, And big thanks to D-King and Bink the Monster for our intro for chopping it up with the Conduit. Um, a huge, hang- uh, huge thank you to a family of our sponsors, Grown Fresh NYC, Street Fatigues, and So What's the Scenario Hip Hop Debate Game. Um, you can find our sponsors on our website at choppingituppodcast.com, which has just been revised. You know, make sure y'all sign up, join the emailing list, and see what we got going on. I know most of the time you see me rocking Grown Fresh, but tonight I am rocking my young guy's merch, Fly Anakin. His album just dropped March 11th. It's titled Frank on Lex Records. It is available on all streaming services. There's CDs, tapes, and vinyl. Um, make sure you, you know, support And be sure you hit him on flyanakin.com for the merch and much more to come. Of course, uh, our brother Joe Claire is already in the building. Y'all make sure y'all say y'all hellos to him. I'm about to bring him in. What's good? My God. What up? Thumbs up. Everybody can hear me? Yeah, well, I can hear you. We can hear you fine. All right, perfect, perfect, man. Good to see you, Joe. Thank you for joining me tonight. My my apologies. I was over here on this Galaxy uh, S9 <laughs> on the first when we first tried to get in. I usually go live on this in the morning, and I tried it on this, and you and uh, Instagram to stop playing. Stop playing, uh, yeah. <laughs> you play too much and kick me off. So so now I'm I'm now we good. What's good with you, brother? Good, bro, man. Um, you know uh. It's always about perfect time and, you know, with us, you know, and I know we have a history from beyond the stage, so on and so forth, but I wanted to interview in a different kind of realm and, you know, just show the people who you really are inside and out, if that's okay. Man, let's get it. You know, All you right. already know how I get there. Yeah, I already know. Um, as here chopping it up with the conduit, you know, I like to give, you know, my guests the intro. So if that's okay, may I start off? Do your thing. This All your right. Show. Okay, he's an on-air veteran, host, comedian, radio personality, entrepreneur, and former host of the legendary Rap City on BET. (laughs) A multifaceted entertainer with a career spanning two plus decades. Please welcome native son of Seat Pleasant, Maryland, my brother, the legend, AKA Joe Cleasy, Mr. Joe Click. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of that is true. All yes, of that sir. is all you said all true things Indeed. about your boy. How, how have you been, man? How have you been? You know, I know what it's been two years, you know, this pandemic, so on and yeah. so forth. But you're always reinventing yourself, man, and always see you doing new things. How are you and how the family? Uh we are good, good, and good. Um, actually, uh, I can hear my wife walking in upstairs. She just walked in the door. Okay. From from taking it's, it's Sunday. My daughter has a project due tomorrow. 
Okay. Of course, she just told us about it this morning. Yeah. So her and her mother just coming from that store run. Okay. Somebody's either going to get an ass whipping or be crying in the next 20 to 30 minutes. Presence over presence. Exactly. My son is in, in the backyard playing basketball. And uh, ironically, I am down here. Uh, you talk about reinventing. I am down here uh, having to redo my um, electronic press kit. Mm -hmm. um, as I am uh, gearing up to get back out into the comedy world with new management, yeah, and uh, you know, get to these, get into these comedy rooms like I'm supposed to. Indeed. Well, if you don't mind me, um, I'm gonna start off with a little people who you know might not know your history, but I, I want to give them somewhat of a refresher if you don't mind. That's cool. All right, let's get busy, man. I know that you got your start on HBO Def Comedy Jam. But your history is rich within the comedy world. What was it like to share the stage with icons such as Bernie Mac and Paul Mooney before the national attention? Um, it was like I so so I still equated to dreams coming true. I still equated to like the ancestors delivering me. Mm -hmm. I still equated to like you know. Um, all of the all of those metaphysical things that we say, oh, if you if you pray on it long enough and you take some action, then things actually happen. So yeah. before I was on anybody's television show, before I had any notoriety, yeah, I was on stage with Bernie Mac and and uh in a in a comedy competition that I won. Yes. And um, you know, so I I won the it was nineteen ninety-three and I won the Schlitz Malt Liquor Bull comedy competition. <laughs> Okay. Yes. You heard what I said. Y'all yes. heard the fuck I said. Y'all might your mommy yes. cussing. It's all good. The Schlitz Malt Liquor Bull comedy competition launched my career. Yeah, okay. And so, and let me put it into context. It's 1993. I'm fresh out of college. I had just graduated with a degree in psychology. Morgan State University, the MEAC. From the good old Morgan State University. Okay. And a friend of mine entered me into a comedy competition and I ended up, I, I won. The competition was in 10 different cities. Okay. Right? DC, Atlanta, Chicago, New York, uh, Houston, you know, 10 different cities around the country. And then the guy who won, every guy who won in each city, then went out to LA to do a big show mm -hmm. with all 10 cats. Right. Well, when you were in your city, the tour went to each 10 of the cities and D.L. Hughley and Bernie Mac were the comedians on the tour. On the tour, okay. So the, so the cats who were in the competition went out first, then D.L., then Bernie, right? Okay. Yeah. And so I'm I'm spanking brand new and I won like round one and round two uh, at, the, at the DC Improv. And then I got to Constitution Hall. Constitution Hall, for those who don't know, Tell them. is uh, the place where Eddie Murphy did Delirious. Yes. That's Constitution Rock. That's Constitution Hall. Uh, Chris Rock did a special from Constitution Hall. Yes. Um, uh, I think Erica Badu did a special. A lot of people have done. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, specials and concerts from Constitution Hall. So I'm on that stage with the legend Bernie Mac, and I won. They give they gave each of us four minutes to get up there and do our thing, and I got a standing ovation hmm. in four minutes. I'm not surprised. The ill part is that this was my mother's first time coming to see me as a stand-up. Okay. Uh, and some of my friends from the neighborhood, like I was still really close to, 
they 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 weren't sure how this was going to turn out. Like he say he a comedian now. Is, is that really, he, he say he a comedian? And I had yeah. you know I had a degree at the time. I was working as a social worker at right. the time, but that you know, wasn't your thing, calling. This other thing is like it's jumping out of me. Yeah. And and so and others recognize it in me before I even recognize it in myself, to be mm. quite honest. Okay. Um, I was afraid to to even imagine something like that could possibly happen. Let's be mm -hmm. to keep it a buck. Okay. Like I didn't you you who the who does that happen to? Yeah, you're right. I'm sitting there saying to myself as a kid, this shit can't happen, but I wish it would, but it can't right. happen. <laughs> but here I am and I win. I win the comedy competition. And at the end of the show, uh, Bernie Mac brings me back out on stage and says, "You know, um, you know, you 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 won tonight. You got anything you want to say to the people?" And I said, "Yeah," because I knew my mother was there. I said, "Ma, I hope you can hear me." She was out in the crowd. I was like, "I quit. I ain't never working another job <laughs> as long as I live." And that was the that was the night I officially became a comedian. comedian. Quit my job, like. Well, they was ready to fire me anyway, and, so yeah. I got fired and quit the same kind of timeline. The universe was already working for you. The, 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 you know what? We're going to blame it on that. Indeed. It wasn't that I wasn't no good at the job. Yeah, I definitely. Was, <laughs> <laughs> I well, was I excellent mean, at the job. They just wanted to go ahead and let their excellent employee get the fuck out the door. Get the door, right. So exactly. With, I mean, with that being said, did that uh, start the process to help you to get the iconic, you know, Def Comedy Jam? Yes, that's exactly what happened. So um, I, I was hungry and, I, and, 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 and sort of like I was alluding to just a second ago, um, you know, I just got new management. It's something about the hunger. You know what I mean? And yeah. at the time I was I was super hungry and I'm back to hungry right now. Mm -hmm. So at the time, uh I was hungry. I was showing up at everybody's comedy club anywhere I can get. If I could get to your club, I was coming. You coming. I was yeah. going up and down the East Coast. I was going anywhere I could to get on stage. Right. I felt like I didn't have nothing to lose. And um, you know, I started getting, I started making a little name for myself. Oh, y'all got, you know, when I it, it blew my mind when I go to meet a comedian and the comedian already know my name. Mm. Like, what's up, Joe? And I'm like, oh, this nigga know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so um to get to Def Jam, you have to go at that time I had to audition mm. at the uh the world famous iconic uh, uh legendary yeah. peppermint lounge in oh. newark new jersey okay. East Orange, new jersey all right and the peppermint lounge was like it was like um it was like the peppermint lounge is just it was just a, a real ass black ass blue collar ass crowd okay in a in a, in a big ass nightclub um, and they come to here, you got to come to that stage. You got to bring that heat. So it was right? like a form of a, like of an Apollo kind of like. It's it, it, shit. Apollo was nice compared to the Peppermint Lounge. <laughs> like, like the part, the Apollo walk in the park compared to the, to the mint. Mm. Like I seen the mint, like I seen people walk up on the stage at the Peppermint Lounge and take the mic off the comedian hand. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it's new. It's one of them. Yeah. Let's, let's put it in perspective. You have New York City proper, then yeah. you have Newark, New Jersey. 
Right. Which New York City tries to treat like a stepchild. Stepchild. So yeah. the niggas from New New Jersey is the craziest. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Tretch Naughty by Nation. You, you see them Red Man. Queen yeah, Lock, Red Man. Yeah, we can bring a Lords of the Underground. Let's go. They got something. The people from Jersey got something to prove. Right. And so that crowd was savage. I mm. mean, savage. And I'm in the middle of my set to get on Def Comedy Jam because the guy who was booking me came out there and nigga in the middle of that Shaq walked in the club in the middle of my set yo Shaq is from where Shaq from yeah he's from yeah, he's from Newark Brick Bill City. Bellamy was the host okay he from Jersey mm. and you know all of Jersey is in there and Shaq walks in this was Shaq was Shaq Foo this is when he was <laughs> the Foo Snicket right Foo Snickers rapping yeah exactly so Shaq walk in the club, the club go crazy while I'm on stage. And so I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna make it. But the guy, uh Bob Sumner, was like, nah, you good, you good, you did your thing. And from there, I got on Def Comedy Jam. Mm. Well, I know with Def Comedy Jam, uh, you know, a lot of the national notoriety started coming. But I I, I wanna I want to take it to somewhere where you and I, you know, we come from this era. Now, whenever I hear the numbers 411, it really shows how far we've come with technology. Tell us the story on how those three numbers helped lead you to bring you to a part of what is now the famed rap city. So, um, 411 was the number for information that I would dial on the payphone up the street from my house because my me and my roommate didn't have no phone at the time mm -hmm. and i would go up the street and i dialed 411 to get the number to bet mm -hmm. uh bet uh was um you know bet was um in headquartered in northeast washington washington dc yes and at the time i was living in northeast washington dc Right. BET was less than a mile and a half from my home from where I was living. Mm. So I was like, let me call BET and see if I can get on TV. The, the hunger right. had the me hunger. out there like that. Okay. And what, 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 well, I had gotten on the Ricky Lake show before that. Right. Or to, to, to debate some conservatives. I remember that. So I, I got on, I, 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 I called the Ricky Lake show from that same payphone. Mm. And this was in her second season um, when she was still trying to do news. Okay. You know, she was trying to be, uh, let, let me put it in context, Phil Donahue had been replaced by Oprah. Right. And then they were looking for a younger daytime talk show like Oprah slash Phil Donahue. Okay. Like you feel a, what like I'm a, saying? Like, like the back in the days with the Sally Jesse Raphaels and the Jenny Jones and all that. Exactly. Okay. And so Ricky Lake was, I was on the Ricky Lake show. And I went on it to debate a conservative talk show host named Ken Hamblin. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you should have seen me. I had a hoop in my ear. I still, my whole, I still got my whole, I had, a, <laughs> <laughs> I had a hoop in my ear. I had on my black beret. Yeah, my fresh little outfit, and you know I'm fresh out of HB and HBCU. Yeah, and and I went on there and you know debated this guy, 
you know, one of the things that sticks out about that was I, I had seen him on Fox News uh, maybe a month before uh, sort of talking about the fact that, you know, he had made it out of the projects and therefore he never had to go back. Mm -hmm. And I was like, shit, we, we need you more than anything. Right. The, the, this, this, the, the, the brothers in the project need you more than anything else. And so Ricky Lake had me um, debate with him. Mm -hmm. But the thing that stuck for me was the fact that I got on Ricky Lake. I was like, if I can get on Ricky Lake, I wonder what else I can get on. Right. And so, boom, 411, let's call BET. BET. Yeah. I got the number to uh, my man Keith Paschal, who was the uh, uh, lead producer for Rap City at the time. Okay. And I just kept calling Keith from that payphone. Once every week, once every two weeks, I just kept leaving a message. Hey, my name is Joe Claire. I'm a comedian here in Washington, D.C. I know everything about hip-hop. Mm. I, I think I'd be good for your show. Right. I was really just trying to get on there one time because my girl had left me, and I needed <laughs> my girl. I saw how she acted after I got on Ricky Lake. Ricky like, after Lake. I got on Ricky Lake, oh, she was, oh, she was a fan again. You understand? <laughs> She was, and this was the woman I thought I was going to marry at the time. So she became a fan again. Okay. Once I got on Ricky Lake. But then I was like, oh, I'm going to really blow her mind once I get on Rap City. So I was just trying to get on one time. Mm. Um, but the universe works in different ways. God has different things, you know, uh, in line for us. And yeah. so in calling, in calling, I'm calling for this. I called him for 10 months, 11 months. Okay, the persistence didn't stop. I just kept calling, just kept calling, leave a message. Right. Then a, a good friend of mine, his name is DJ J Nice. He's a he's a big time DJ out in Vegas right now. Okay. You go to Vegas, look for a J Nice party. That's my partner. Face to J um, Nice. We'll be out there in September. For sure. And um, <laughs> J Nice, J Nice said, "Hey, I'm gonna be on Rap City tomorrow." DJ. Now I didn't tell him I had been calling BET all this time. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, I, 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 you know, God, God, let this happen. I and mean, I tell Jay Nice, tell him come to my house. Y'all can shoot at my house tomorrow if y'all need a place to shoot. Okay. So who was in tow with him? It, it, you know when that happened. So uh, the the producer for Rap City, his name was. Uh, Alphonse McCullough. Okay. Alphonse came. Jay Nice came to set up his turntables. And Alphonse bought some rappers with him. Um, and the rappers, I, re I remember that Chino XL. Okay. Chino XL, this was at the, this was, you know, Chino XL was the precursor to Eminem. Yes, yes, he was. You feel me? Yeah. Chino XL came to my house. That's right? crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't, I'm not on TV nowhere. This before the, I'm blown away. I'm like, ah, this <laughs> is for real. Like, and uh, Apache Indian. Oh, snap. Rest in peace. Not, no, not that Apache. Okay, okay. I was about to say. There's another, there's a, there's another, there was another guy. And then, um, not that Apache, another guy. And, and it was another rapper with him. Anyway, they all came to my house. Yeah. And um, the producer, had seen me sneaking in that Paul Mooney show you had. Mm -hmm. He was in the audience the night I snuck in to Paul Mooney's show and begged for some time on stage. Mm -hmm. 
They gave me some time on stage. I ended up killing that job. Killing it. Wow. He comes fast forward six, eight months. He's at my house. And he's like, don't I know you from somewhere? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a comedian. Mm. He's like, oh, what's your name? I said, Joe Clay. He's like, yeah, I saw you uh, with Paul Mooney. I was like, yeah, I begged. And so then when that happened, I left all the rappers, the DJ, and everybody downstairs in my house. And I went upstairs and was like, OK, God, listen, God. <laughs> they said they say this how you work but for real god this how you work man like the producer from from bet know me come on man chino xl in my house man like for real god yeah yeah for real all right listen you you do this for me i will never do nothing illegal or immoral in my whole life for real mm. yeah. right i go back downstairs and um what ends up happening is the producer, who I had been calling, Keith Pachel. Hold on, for 10, 11 months. I don't remember specifically if he came to my house or if I met him the next day, but there was a, hey, you remember that guy I told you I seen that's a comedian that we might need to check out? Yeah. For the show? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this him. And he's like, well, remember the guy I told you been calling me for 10 months? Well, uh, this him. So, so I had, I had, I had been having interactions with the two of them, but me not know. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. And that's, but that's, that's, um, when that happened, when that happened, I took, I took, um, I took that type of energy mm -hmm. as the norm, as the default. Okay. The universe. God right. uses his infinite wisdom to move and shape and mold the universe for what we are willing to happen in front of us. Exactly. So I sat I sat there and watched it happen. Like, like, like that's how I'm sitting in this house. That's how I'm sitting here talking to you. Like, that's how the people who who know me know me. Is is it ain't it ain't me. Because if you leave it up to me, I'll never will never I would have never gotten. To any of this you would have been doing something else totally completely it, yeah. it was god it was god and, and using the universe to just to put, put you put in position on my path yeah put you in position and it seems like you when when the universe does that it puts you on the right path to meet the people to get to where you're trying to go so that's 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 moving that you got two producers that you were in sync with one you've been trying to call for 10 11 months but the other one you told yeah well, he's seen you at a, you know, at a comedy show and then light bulb went off and next thing you know, you're doing, you know, five and a half to six years, you know, hosting the iconic rap city. So let's, you know, transition into that because you see the, you see the hood. Yeah, I see you. I see you. No diggity. No doubt. You know what I mean? Um, Riggity rap. Right. So I, uh, I remember, you know, watching Rap City and started off with the mayor, Chris Thomas. My and man, of course, transition into, you know, you and, and, and big, big Les, And, you know, during that time of you hosting Rap City, um, it was during the rise of the golden era. And in hip hop, where you had some of the most amazing interviews, I mean, you were shooting pool with Big Pun. You know, you, you, you know, you're in the you, you're in D.C. with, you know, Ice Cube ready for him to, you know, a sound check to do his concert. You know, uh, Helter Skelter, rest in peace to Sean Price. You know what I'm saying? But the one that every, the ones that 
make everybody always like, okay, I remember these particular two. You know, of course, Biggie, and we just recently, you know, celebrated 25 years of his uh, passing. Yeah. But then um, Jay-Z with the helicopter ride. <laughs> like, I, I want you to talk about those two specific interviews and, you know, what have you taken from those interviews and how have they, you know, added on to your life? So, so let's start with the Jay-Z helicopter ride, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um... So here's how it happened. At the time, and, and, and I got to tell a few things. At the time, so they say, hey, you're going to interview uh, Jay-Z. Now, I became a fan. I became a Jay-Z fan when I heard the song Regrets. Right. On his first, on, on the Reasonable Doubt album, right? Right. Um, before that, I didn't really, I didn't even listen to him. I knew, I, I knew of him with... Um, Jazz O. Be, no, not the jazz. I didn't even listen. I didn't know the jazz O song. Oh wow! I knew the song with him and Ski and uh, Original Flavor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. So when it was Original Flavor, um, can I get open? Yo, yeah. Ski, yeah. can I get open? You and know, he was rapping fast. Exactly. So that's when he that's when he gets lodged into my into my memory, right? And then the Reasonable Doubt album came out. Now, like I said, I was a, a, a recent college grad, so I was still backpack and very much into, you know, elevated rappers, rappers who were who were talking about the metaphysical, or rappers who, you know, spoke about God, or rappers yeah. who spoke about the ancestors, or rappers who talk about elevating. You know, those those were the things that I focused on. So for me, I, he did Jay Z didn't didn't Fit resonate. that mold for you. He was on a different frequency to me. Right. But then I got the album. I got the Reasonable Doubt album. And, you know, I listened to it just like everybody else listened to it. And I, you know, I just let all, I let all of it in one ear right out the other. And then I heard Regrets, mm. which is track number 14 on Jay-Z's first album, right? Mm -hmm. And first the track got me because all the, the rest of that album is all boom, back, it was hard, boom, back, hard, boom, yeah. back. Yeah. In New York style, but then this other one has got these chords and this other little feel Mellow, to it. And I was out. like, hold on, what is this? Yeah, it was more somber. And I, and he comes on and he goes, I sold it all from crack to OPM in third person. I don't want to see him. So I'm rehearsing with my people's out of GM from a remote location in the BM, scoping the whole situation like DM. Metamorphic as a dope turns to pre-M. But one of these volumes got eyes like a Korean. It's difficult to read them. When or two is sold, I have clothes. I put the key in, pulled off slow. Hoping, well, I was like, hold up, 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 Yeah, he was the one. Stop. That's what, it, and it made me stop. It made me complete. He, he stopped me in my tracks, right? I, I I listened to that song that night about 17 times back to back to back to back. I'm just sitting in the house. I'm going to keep it a buck feet. I'm sitting in the house, Philly Blunts, by myself. Yeah. You know, having one of them day. Yeah. And then I went back and listened to the whole album from start. To finish. To finish. Yeah. And understood at that point in time that we were now dealing with I was okay I I had hit on a different level of rapper. Right. 
a different level of understanding of it than anything I had heard before. And that goes all the way back to, you know, the funky four plus one more. And, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I'm all the way, I'm, I know it all the way back to that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So now comes the time when I get to interview Jack. And this was actually my second time interviewing him because um, if <laughs> the helicopter interview was the second time. That, because when you do that laugh, there's always something. <laughs> well, the, 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 the helicopter interview was actually the second interview. Okay. Uh, if you go back and look at the feeling it video, mm. I'm feeling it, yeah. feeling glass at the top of my head. Uh, all the way at the end, like the last scene of that video, you'll see your boy Joe Cleasy sitting poolside with all the girls and everybody dancing in in the hall now. Okay. So, so I had got they had flown us to Jamaica to actually interview Jay Z. Oh wow! Right, uh, Rockefeller did. So I had this. Now this was my second time interviewing him, and at this time, you know, um, it it was. You know, streets is watching is is popping and 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 he's on to you know, he's is be he's becoming yeah, he's, the he's, iconic. He, yeah, he's on his he's on his yeah he's on his path. He's on his path. Yeah, and so uh, they say Jay want to do this interview, but we need to do it different. At that time, what was different was Cash Money had. And not cash money. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was had done it. Uh, 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 um, had done um, videos with helicopters in. It. Okay. Right. Because if, if you if you pay attention, videos went from kitted out Jettas. Yeah. To kitted out BMWs. Yeah. To <laughs> you know it just went on it and just on. Went on, on up. Yeah. If, the, if you can use that analogy, now we are helicopter status. Okay. We are with this right before private planes. Okay, facts. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Or right, this right after private planes, and we right in that area. Yeah, we right in that area. We right in that area. So Jay want to do, do the interview from a helicopter. I'm like, you bullshit. Perfect. I got to, I, 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 I flew to New York City, got to New York, got off the plane, went to uh 125th uh and, and then first i went up to one like not 150 and where was dr j's at like 147 and and in don't, new get, york, don't get me started i just moved here god okay so i'm uptown <laughs> in in uptown in harlem i went to dr j's because i needed something i needed something fresh and right. i caught a, a, a tommy hill figure i topped i caught the tommy hill figure top with this with the matching pants and i had on a brand a pair of brand new uh uh they wasn't island they was they was felines okay so, okay uh grand hills a pair of grand hills all right remember grand hill had the the, the felines yeah wasn't it grand hill had felines yeah grand hill was the only one that really had felines exactly so i had a pair of grand hills and i'm fresh i just copped it and then they say we got to get down to um downtown and I go from, I get off the plane, go to Harlem, pick up clothes, get dressed in the whip, uh, 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 get dressed in the little uh, private car, the, the Lincoln Town car. Yeah, Lincoln Town car. They drive me down there, and then I get on a helicopter with Jay-Z. And um, 
and, and what do you and say? What, yeah, what do you do? You 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 try to conduct the interview and not be no groupie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, here's a guy who's actually taking it to the next level. Right. He's taking it to the level that rappers talked about but right. couldn't but achieve. He was, yeah, but he was really doing it. This wasn't this wasn't fantasy talk. We was actually in a helicopter. Right. And um and he greeted me with what's good, Joe, good to see you again. You know, because he remembered, remember. you know. So, so it was, it was super cool. It was super, super, super cool. Um, and I'm watching a young guy define what it's going to be. Right. Um, you know, had I known what I know now, I would have asked Tim, can, can you mentor me? Or, right. you know, it. how can I stay in touch? I, yeah. I was too much. I was too DC to say, <laughs> how can I stay in touch? I feel you. You know what I'm saying? You know, we from DC. We yeah. From a little bit of pride. Yeah. Up. Yeah, a little pride, like yeah. If I, I ain't tripping off your math, homie. Don't <laughs> give a fuck. Yeah. I'm, I'm so I'm, and I ain't even PG. Just like I made the analogy about Newark, yeah, and New York. Yeah, I'm, I'm Prince George. I'm C plus. So I'm really like man. I ain't got man. Fuck that shit. Yeah, and C plus is different. <laughs> but I was I wasn't I wasn't thinking. Anyway, so we do that interview, and um, you know, he explains. He lays out his. This is prior to the blueprint. He kind of just lays out what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And I get out of the, I get out of the helicopter. I go eat and then I go tell jokes all night in New York City. I go hit like three or four spots that night and go, you know, get back on my comedian hustle. A kid from C. Pleasant just living his life. Having a ball. Yeah. Having a, I mean, like, I get out the, I get out the plane with Jay. And then out, out the helicopter with Jay, I meet up with probably either Red Grant or Donnell Rollins. They were both living in New York at the time. And, yeah, DC and Natives too. Yeah, DC Natives too. Peace well, to Donnell and Red. That's who I was. That's who I was telling jokes with every night. Right. We we would we would we would pile up in my car and we would go tell jokes everywhere. But if I was in New York, I'm sure I hooked up with one of them, smoke some weed, and then let's go tell jokes. Hmm. And let's go see if we can burn this motherfucker down. I don't care who on the mic. I don't care who go up before me. They, the, the nigga behind me, got he got hmm. something to worry. Yeah, he about. got somebody to worry about. That's that. That's that C Pleasant in that DC right there. All day, every day. Yeah. Um. I wanna, yeah. if you don't mind, I, like, I, like I wanted to transition to that to that Biggie one, being as though his uh right twenty fifth just passed. Like, you know, the setup of it. You know, both of you just. You know, sitting there on the on the court, and you know he was already going through all of his drama. Like, what was Bruh. the what was the energy like that day when you interviewed him? But then, for what happened to him after that, and knowing you were the last, literally like one of the last people to interview him. So it was, um, it was super ill. Um, so just like the Jay Z interview, the Biggie interview was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um. It was a big deal for for me because I hadn't interviewed him yet. Right. But it was also a big deal for BET and Rap City. Um the 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 mood was super cool. Because right. me and Jay, I mean me and Big had bumped heads with each other throughout this time um in different places. Right. Like I said, I'm in New York, I'm up and down the East Coast, the West Coast. 
I'm telling jokes. I'm on tour now. At this point in time, I'm a touring comedian. Right. So you might catch me on a Def Comedy Jam tour. You might catch me, you know, on some big show. Right. You know, you might catch me in your town at the big theater or the arena or whatever. Exactly. And so, um, you know, Big knew who I was. And of course, I knew who he was. I knew, um, I knew every line of that first album. Right. Plus all of the freestyles and all of the mixtape joints and, you know, all of the extra stuff that would show up. Well, this was the second album. Tupac had passed away, the, you know, just prior six, eight months before this. Right. Um, um, the mood was that, um, and we were on the West Coast. We were in, and we weren't sitting on a basketball court. Well, that's what it kind of looked like, pardon so. Everybody thought we were sitting on a, a basketball court. What up, Bink? Bink is in the, in the joint. What up, Bink? Bink the monster. That's the one who produced the, uh, our Your track for, uh, for chopping it up with the car. Yeah, Bink, Bink is, Bink is, Bink is my, uh, Bink is my, uh, musical guru and Thank mentor. You, at, uh, in case y'all don't know, I'm sitting here at my studio. Yeah, he does make beats, right y'all. So just well, know that's science. But I'm sitting here anyway. Anyway, so with, with, with me and Big were actually sitting on a movie lot, mm -hmm. a studio lot. Okay. We were on a studio lot, studio lot on a sound stage with the fence behind us. There's a fence behind us that is locked, but it's actually if you go to the to the end of that fence, it's all blocked off, so you can't even see who's in there. Right. So we were in a secluded, uh, very secure area on this on the set of the hypnotized video. Oh wow! Uh, we're sitting like well, me and Biggie are sitting. We can see the sound stage where all the dancers in the yellow, all the dance Biggie, 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 and he, yeah. he on the cane. He got the cane. He got the cane. I can see that right there. Oh okay. We're sitting in chairs because he was on a cane. Yeah, right. So that's why he and I were sitting in those director chairs. Okay. Um, I was wearing, I'm wearing a green shirt. The shirt was made by one of my frat brothers at Morgan State University, and I was super psyched to wear that shirt. <laughs> and um, I was supposed to actually do the interview the day before. Mm. Uh, and that was when they were shooting all of the helicopter scenes and the explosion and the yacht scenes, scenes in the water, yeah. Out in the water for hypnotized okay. him and Puffy on the yacht. Right. So we didn't get to do, um, um, we didn't get to do it that day. Um, the, the the director was like, it's too much pyrotechnics, we can't have somebody extra. I was out in the middle of Marina Del Rey sitting in a dinghy for like four hours trying to get out there to the boat. Wow. And so they said, we can't do it here. How about if we do it tomorrow on set? And so we came on, came on set. And, you know, you can see it in the interview. First thing he says, like, this is my man right here. You know, we always yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And, and I was super excited to be interviewing Big. And he was super excited about this second album. Yeah. You know, who gets a second album in hip hop? A lot of cats don't. No, a lot of don't. He was with a second album that was about to shake up the world. Right. So he was really, really excited about it. And um, I was excited about it. The Bad Boy Machine was working like it was supposed to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, everybody, let, let's, let's, let's address the elephant in the room. Everybody's always like, well, what was he doing on the West Coast in the first place? Yeah. 
being from the East Coast, you always knew when you went to the West Coast, act accordingly. Indeed. And to 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 for, from what I saw, he did. Um, you know, he had plenty of security, so on and so forth. But he wanted to make sure that it was he he wasn't trying to pour fuel on the beef. In the fire, yeah, no doubt. Because from his perspective, the beef was between him and Pop. Right. Not definitely on Coast Coast and West, the West Coast. Coast. Yeah. The East Coast and West Coast, however, was fueled by other rappers. Right. And the media. Right. I got to sit in the middle of the East Coast, West Coast bullshit. Right. Every day. Every day. I'm sitting in the middle. One day I'm interviewing Fat Joe, the next week I'm interviewing Mac 10. You feel me? Yeah. One day I'm, I'm I'm sitting over here with Too Short, the next day I'm over here with, you know, Das Effect. Das Effect, yeah, let's go. You yeah, know, yeah. so I'm sitting on the East and I'm sitting on the West and people are adding the fuel and I would not, the only time I would address East Coast, West Coast beef was, you know, as a rapper, how do you feel about the East Coast, West Coast beef? Right. Not, you know, what you think about the East Coast? What you think about the West Coast? Right. What do you think about the beef with, for the culture? Because I always culture. thought it was fucked up and stupid. Yeah, indeed. I thought it was the dumbest shit ever. But, you know, anyway. Yeah. Um. So I do the interview. And the interview is super cool. We talk about the album. We talk about how he felt about Tupac. Um, You know, the first time I ever saw Biggie was on stage with Tupac at Bowie State University. Mm. Uh, it was an iconic moment. Um, it's, the, it's one of the first times that Tupac bought Biggie out on stage. Oh, wow. And um, so, you know, I understood it from that perspective. And and, and, and and then sitting there talking to him and telling y'all it felt like he, he felt bad that he lost his friend. He lost his friend. But also, yeah. we were young, and he and his friend had parted ways. Right. And the streets were still... Uh, yeah, in their ears along with their camps on and so forth. And exactly. Unfortunately, so, we did with what we got now. So he could only feel so bad. Right. At the time. Uh, but if you if you notice in the interview, he says, you know, I would never wish death on anyone. On anyone. Yeah. You know, I would never I never thought that. And, 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 you know, he stuck by the same thing. He always said, you know, when he heard that Tupac got shot, he was like, not again. Right. Nobody thought Tupac was about to die. Yeah, nobody that, that did. We didn't think that could happen. Yeah, because we looked at them as superheroes at that time because they was doing some influential stuff at, and people at was their always age. Getting, and to, to, to Cam's, people get shot every day, B. True indeed. We didn't think people was going to die. Yeah. But Tupac died. We were like, what the fuck? Tupac died. Yeah. And so we sitting there dealing with that. Um, you know, he's the biggest artist in the world at the time. Biggie is now. Um, the world is anticipating what this album is going to do. Right. He's not blind to the fact that, you know, um, when he goes to Detroit, you hear six and seven Tupac records back to back. You right. go to Houston. You hear 12 Tupac records. You go to Dallas. You go to Chicago. You know, he understands what this is. The subliminals. The subliminals. And so we do the interview from that perspective. And I do the interview. 
And the next thing you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to go on the Def Comedy Jam tour. Right. So I do the interview. I kick it with him. He's After we finish the interview, we go back to the trailer, twist up, smoke bluffs, me, him, C's, Junior Mafia. I leave, go back to the hotel, grab my bag, get on the red eye back to D.C. so I can go on tour with Kid Capri and Mike Epps, some more Zoo Man and Mike B for the Def Comedy Jam too. Right. The first night was uh, Dallas. The next night was Houston. Hmm. We finish in Houston. I get off stage. We go to the after party. Boom, 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 boom. I get me and Kid Capri kick it that night. Then I go back to my room. At about 3.30 in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, Kid Capri calls my phone and say, Biggie got shot. But I'm still drunk. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay, all right, boom, hang up from him, and it does not register. At about 7.30 in the morning, my girl called me from home. Mm. My girlfriend called me from home, and she was like, they say Biggie got shot. And I was like, I know, Kid Capri just called me and told me. I'm going to check it out. And I'm still not. No, it's not registering. And not two of them, not Biggie and Tupac yeah. going to die. Yeah, in, in that time span, too. Hell no. Yeah. That's not about to happen. Yeah. That's not about to happen. Yeah. Not to my hip-hop. Man, I turned on Headline News. Remember Headline News used to come on every half hour? Yeah. Yeah. First story that comes on at the top of the half hour, rapper Christopher Wallace was shot in a drive-by shooting in Los Angeles last night. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Fast forward to, and that had that was the end of February. Let's say that's you know February the twenty seventh or some shit like that. Yeah. So it was literally like a week later. And then March 9th, he passed away. Yeah, literally like a week and a half later because people yeah. forget this only like twenty eight, twenty nine days in February. And then Mar he hung on till March 9th, and then he passed away. Um, and when he passed away, it still didn't it still didn't register to me that I got the last television interview of Biggie. Yeah. Um, everybody then, you know, my boss calls me um, and it's like, you know, you got the last interview of, of, of Notorious B.I.G. We're going to air it and boom, 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 boom. And they, and BT aired it. Nothing. They didn't do any. BT aired it. Right. Fast forward to a year later and I see my interview on VH1. Mm. And then I see my interview on MTV. And then I see my interview on the CBS Evening News. Right. And I see it on the NBC Nightly News. And then I see it on this show. And then I see it on that show. And then the years go by. And I keep seeing my interview yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Right? But they cut me out. <laughs> <laughs> I knew your ass was going to say some shit like that. <laughs> Oh, but man. they cut me. If you watch the interview on any major, if you watch <laughs> it anywhere had, but YouTube, just had Biggie like. If you watch it anywhere but YouTube, I'm cut out of yeah, the interview. You cut out. Yeah, because it was definitely landscape. I know that for a fact. You know what I'm saying? And and it's and so it's iconic. Um, it still feels to this day. It still feels. It still feels very very surreal. Yeah. Um. I'm a kid from C. Pleasant who decided to chase his dreams and 
ironically, I was there to to be a part of that moment of hip hop. Well, if you don't mind me, I want to transition into because you're always been blessed to interview the present, you know, and been in the presence of legends. Um, you know, this takes me back to the time 2000 to 2004, where you were, you know, the host of Mad, you know, Mad Sports. Yeah, you know I'm saying so. And there's one particular legend that everybody, you know, is still upset to this day that, you know, he's no longer here. How was, you know, what was your most, you know, memorable, I guess, line or I guess conversation that you got to have with Kobe Bryant? Bruh. So listen, before Mad Sports, mm -hmm. I interviewed Kobe a week after taking Brandy to the prom for Rap City. For Rap City. I went to Philly. I went to Kobe Bryant's house where he was living with Mrs. and Mr. Bryant. You mm. understand? Yeah. He was the hottest thing, and I went to interview Kobe. There's video out there of Kobe Bryant actually dunking over me. <laughs> you know I'm going to do the search. There is video. It's a Rap City episode. Uh, Kobe took What we did is we did a date with Kobe Bryant, and he took me to the gym. where He, he took me to the workout. And then he took me to where he get cheese steaks. And then he took me to where he goes and plays ball every day. Mm -hmm. Now, remind, let me put it in context. This is the biggest basketball story since Michael Jordan at the time. Right. The biggest. Yeah. And so I got the interview. And him and Brandy, everybody's like, he going to marry Brandy. Oh, this is going to be, this is, you know, it was that time. Yeah. And um, uh. For this conversation, what I could say that I saw was that um, was a, a very determined, very disciplined, uh, sort of force of nature type of person. Correct. Um, who, who went on to, you know, become iconic. And, you know, one of the things that I, the, the thing that I took from him was when he described his work ethic to me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you know, when you in the gym and you on a sled and you doing legs, yeah, yeah, sled, yeah, yeah. And he was explaining to me how he, when he first sat down on that sled, he couldn't do, he was, it, he was not effective. Okay. And how he de decided that he was going to beat this sled. He was determined. Right. And how he put it in his mind to get there. And he applied that to every part of his life that he could. And we see now, you know. 30 years later to, to, to great effect. Yes. And so that was my takeaway from him was, you know, that work ethic, that seriousness and that belief in self that we all must have to get where we're trying to go. Well, I mean, I, I needed to ask you that, you know, personally for myself, you know, cause you know, our relationship, every time we get together, you know, we, we talk in business or we on some joke time, but you know, these are questions I wanted to ask myself because I never got to actually hear you, in an interview where somebody, you know, actually delves into what you, you know, what you do and what you have been doing. Um, I want to transition from the music to, you know, the work that you do in the community. Because, you know, we have, you know, we're, we're short on time. I'm not good with this IG stuff. And it's just been so organic with our conversation. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, I want to talk about the work you do in the community. And where did that part of your being meaning yourself and your heart and your mind. Where did that begin? And, um, My parents. Your parents, okay. And I understood, I was about to ask, was that something that was always instilled? 
My parents, um, my, my, recently my mother reminded me about a time when she was, my mother uh, started out uh, working in a lab. She was a biotech, but they call it biotech now. She was a hematologist. She taught me how to count uh, blood cells when I was like four years old. I used to know how to look into the microscope. Wow. Put the put the slide under the microscope, clamp it down, and I can start counting the the blood cells. Yeah. And um, at the time, sickle cell was a big deal in the black community. Mm -hmm. And Children's Hospital, Children's National, which is now Children's National Medical Center, wasn't really the and the medical establishment. Let me put it that way. Wasn't real keen on making sure that they did screenings for sickle cell because it mostly affected African Americans. Black yes. Folks. Right. So my mother went and volunteered her time at a at a clinic down on U Street that was run by the Black Panther Party. Right. So the Black Panther Party at the time had a health clinic hmm. on U Street in DC. And she reminded me about taking us, me and my sister, down to the clinic. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm down there with the Panthers doing screenings for sickle cell to make sure that the brothers and sisters are healthy healthy yeah at the same time my dad was working on the hill on capitol hill for a senator named ron dellums congressman ron dellums mm -hmm. of oakland okay ron dellums was a black man uh who was you know my father had just come out of howard law and and it was big for him to have a social impact my dad so those two those two uh uh um those two forces my right. mother and my father, father yes gave me the wherewithal to whenever i could be good for my hood hmm. be good for my at first be good for my neighbor if i can be good for my neighbor maybe i can be good for the block and if i can be good for the block maybe i can be good for the community if i'm good for the community maybe i can be good for the world well, you're already doing that because you are being a pillar in the community. Um, because you're teaching in a sense as well through uh, real estate. Yes. Um, was that something that you were always interested in doing? Not at all. Mm. I wasn't thinking about real estate at all. Um, mm. That came my way by a, a, a guy who is a, a mentor to me now, who's actually younger than me, um, who did very well in real estate and continues to do very well in real estate. And he pulled me aside one day. He was like, and I'm gonna give you the real conversation. He was like, one day you're gonna be old, Joe. Right. And you ain't gonna feel like going out here and telling these jokes. And they're not gonna be checking for you. And they don't give a, they not gonna give a fuck about them biggie interviews and everything else. Yeah. You better have you better have some some you, know, you better be able to go to the mailbox and pick up some money. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck you talking about. I'm Joe motherfucking Clay. <laughs> I've been doing this shit forever, Slim. Right. And I was hard-headed, and I wasn't listening to him. And one day, after a session like that, I came in the house, and my wife says to me, you know, I think after I get off this government contract I'm working on, um, I want to get back into real estate. Mm. I said, what the fuck you just say? She said, I want to get into real estate. I, I had just picked up some fish and some, some fried fish, some potato salad, some collard greens, and but we were living out in the suburbs. I, I I picked this up by by one by my man's shop. Okay. I grabbed a piece of fish, a little bit of potato salad, greens, put it in a bowl, hopped back in the car, drove back 30 minutes to my guy's shop and was like, tell me everything I need to know about real estate. And that launched my real estate career. But um what what 
the uh the um the big reason for real estate didn't um hit me in the chest until i was getting my license mm -hmm. and sitting in class uh this was in 2015 2016 2016 i was sitting in class and uh 2015 i was sitting in class and my the 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 the, the teacher the realist the guy who's teaching the, the class explains to me that you know we can buy and sell houses meaning we can buy and sell the community mm. at the time i'm hearing the gentrification keep happening we need to be we need to be able to say what goes on in our community right and it clicked like with the platform i had whether it be a hundred people 200 people a yes. thousand people yes. three thousand people fifty thousand a million people yeah i may be able to help be what our physically be what our communities are right you know what i'm saying i get it i may be able to thwart gentrification or help us work hand in hand with gentrification so that everybody so that our community understands what it's really about we can participate indeed grandma's house don't gotta get sold off you can be the recipient of all the funds and all of the equity that has been built into grandma's house and granddaddy's land with some understanding and somebody who can help you and so that's what that that became sort of my mission for real estate wow yo joe man we yeah we gotta have another session yeah we definitely gotta have another session man because there's you know there's so much that i, I you know i want to talk to you about because you know you reinvent yourself you know, from, you know, just starting on get your black ass up and, you know, the percolator coffee, you know what I'm saying? Even, you know, to let the people know, today's our three-year anniversary that we done our show over at Songbird with, you know, Tracy Lee and Nonchalant, you know what I'm saying? And it's today the anniversary. Yeah, today's the anniversary. Can, can I tell everybody what it was? Uh, yeah, if you can break it down, probably within a half an hour, half second, you know, 30 seconds to a minute. Three three years ago, I launched my first album on my fifth. It was right after my fiftieth birthday. My first album. It was called New Music for Old Niggas. Yeah. I'm sitting in my I'm sitting in my studio right now working on New Music for Old Niggas Volume Part, Two. Volume Two. As yeah. we speak. Yes. Yes. Um, Y'all, uh, we do have a lot because I already know that you're a man who can spit. Because for a perfect. Uh, example you know you even had onyx and raekwon doing a screw face when you dropped you know a couple 16s on them so you yeah. gotta let the people know the the whole jet you know the whole army swiss knife you know what you got going on joe but uh please if you can man tell the people how to get in touch with you people let us know we're gonna probably have to do a part two with this because you know my brother has his hands in so many so many pots you know from his from his cake to his coffee like <laughs> tell the people how they can get in touch with you, bro, and tell them what you got going on now, and so we can keep keep. So, you. so check it. Um, every morning, nine a.m., I'm live on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Okay. It's Joe Claire Live. Get your black ass up. That's yeah. what it's called. It's called Joe Claire Live. Get your black ass up. That's the entire title of my <laughs> morning <laughs> yes. broadcast. You can catch me there. All of my handles are just Joe Claire, J-O-E-C-L-A-I-R. There is no E on the end of Claire. Tell them. There is no E on the end of Claire. Yeah. We 
My my ass my 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 ancestors is Haitian. <laughs> sure enough. There's no e on the end of Claire. C L A I R. You understand what I'm saying? Indeed. You can check me every morning. Get your black ass up. Uh, uh, you can go to the PercolatorCoffeeCompany.com and you can order Percolator Coffee. Part of the proceeds go to help the community. Um, and and I'm the, every morning tomorrow morning 9 a.m. You can catch me. And 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 just look for me to come to your city when you hear. Shout out to Lil Hustler who said that my song "Gone" is the <laughs> shit to him. Thank you so much. It and did. I produced all of those tracks too. I gotta yes, say that. Did. Yes. Not only did I spit, I produced the tracks. And uh, you can catch me at Joe Clay on all platforms. Well, Joe, man, um, I know we're gonna definitely have a number two on this. Um, yeah, we know, gotta we gotta thank, do it again. Thank you for being such a great friend and a mentor. But you know, your brotherhood means a lot to me, man. You. You know, I remember the first night I met you was when we did the concert with Rakim and Big Daddy Kane for the 20-year anniversary of the Million Man March. And ever since then, man, you've been, you know, so solid with me, you know what I mean? And I definitely want to make sure I give you, you know, your flowers and that you're celebrated and that you're loved. And, you know, even though I'm not in D.C., man, we always connect in one way or the other whenever I come home or wherever we at in this world, man. Um, thank sure. you for being in my life, Joe. Oh, no problem. Matter of fact, I'm coming to New York. Uh... April 1st and 2nd, I'm at Harlem Comedy in Harlem. Say less, man. Me and, me and the wisdom going to come out and support. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, Joe, man. You go ahead and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Give my best to the family, and we'll definitely get a part two going. For sure. I'm about to go up here and save these kids from that ass whooping. Indeed. <laughs> One love. Peace, man. Peace. All right. All right, y'all, man. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, Episode four, uh, season four, chopping it up with the conduit. My special guest, my brother, the comedian, the uh, radio host, the entrepreneur, former host of the legendary Rap City, uh, Mr. Joe Claire, aka Joe Cleasy. Um, we're on all uh, streaming platforms: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and we're on podcasts on Vivo. Make sure you share, rate, comment, and subscribe. And you know, we'll be back with some with some more uh some more good interviews uh please make sure you share with all your friends but uh more importantly how we always end off you know we want everybody to you know maintain health be good to each other always check on your loved ones and those who care for you other than that this is chopping it up with the conduit we out peace I never dream my first name with fiends they defy bank tell us the book of my life free Water fountain, no, now the money fountain close. Drake about a window, pre-Mecca Malcolm on. Honda's over potholes, no pot to pissin'. Rich or poor, depending if they got your pops in prison. Early morning samples, nigga, chop it up. Uncut, or the scramble, nigga, chop it up. Got the line down the block, shorty, chop it up. Got to grind for the spot, shorty, clap it up. If you need a con, do it, come and chop it up. Deep ascend, I'll be as you count it up. Mission table with the dawn snake.